Hello and welcome to another midweek episode of the Rangers Rundown. You've got Max, you've got Mike. We're here to talk about some surprisingly good Rangers baseball. Surprisingly good. Shockingly good. So the Rangers, complete turnaround this week. Um, I think you're looking at a favorite to compete in the ALCS this year. Um, they got the offense, they've got the pitching. Amazing team. Just uh, incredible stuff all the way around. Yeah, yeah. They're you know, If they can hold it together tonight, then they're going to take the series away from the team that went to the World Series last year, win a four-game uh, series 3-1. to one. That's, that's not bad. I'll take it. Uh, I mean, obviously, you, you, you take any of the big wins, you take all this kind of stuff, but coming in and looking pretty good against the Rays it always feels good. The Rays are a good team. They've got some good young players on the squad, um, and we've seen some... I mean, just some impressive stuff. Uh, I mean, I'm going to not... I'm going to keep making fun of him because apparently he gets mad when I do it. Kyle Gibson. Um, I mean, I have not seen a pitcher blow a five-run first-inning lead on opening day in quite such dramatic fashion, I believe, in my baseball-watching life. Um, but last I looked, he is the Rangers' leader by pitching FWR. Say it's not true. Yeah. Tied with wow. Ben Dunning. I mean, well, that's kind I... of a, a statement about the Rangers pitching staff as much as anything else. But his his opening day start was obviously horrendous. He gave up five runs. He got one out. It was opening day. The Rangers scored ten runs and lost by four. Kind of a classic Rangers line. Um, his start since then have actually been really good, though, which is sort of weird. But it's what the Rangers wanted. Yeah. I mean, he is what he is. It's funny. I've... Uh... My, my good buddy Scott Owen down in Houston, who's a huge Rangers fan, he gets excited about a Raiders win no matter what the circumstances are. And I'm more of the the mind that I'm only focused on the guys that are going to be on this team next year and the year after and hopefully well beyond that. Um, I, I, a good Gibson performance does absolutely nothing for me. It's like Correct. neat. <laughs> there are no needles. It is moving. No, no, not at all. In, fi- in fact, what's funny is I got more excited about a loss this week than I did about a win. <laughs> because Dane Dunning. loss excited you. Oh, the Dunning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he, man, he, he looks so advanced. It makes it look so incredibly easy. I, I just, I'm like, here's, here's, he's a guy who could be a good number two, number three guy in your rotation, I think. It just well, looks that, so that whole game was pretty exciting from a pitching perspective as well because we had probably Taylor Hearn's best ever professional or major league appearance. Um, I mean, he, he did give up the solo home run that lost the game, but that was the only hit he gave up in his three innings where he struck out seven, which is yeah. easily the best major league performance that Taylor Hearn has had. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I think he's definitely kind of a, a lost child at this point, but this is a, a lefty who throws some truly ridiculous crap for a left-handed pitcher. And there's a reason that folks like this guy beyond just his personality, which people like him for, and that's because he can do nasty stuff from the left side. So having that follow-up, Dunning, four innings, scoreless, struck out five, walked two, two hits. Like, that's a – I mean, obviously you want more than four innings, but we don't care. Like, Well, <laughs> they're, still, they're managing his, his pitch count. Too. Yeah, yeah, this is still development time for this kid. Like, we're not asking yeah. Dunning to go out there and do what the Rays were asking Tyler Glass now to do because, wow, that was fun. Uh, the the other side of that pitching matchup was very, 
I told yeah. you all, Tyler Glass is good. <laughs> he's otherworldly. <laughs> he's a freak. 14 strikeouts. Yeah. He makes it look... When when Glasnow's clicking, there's a couple of guys who have that, like, oh, that man's just going to win a baseball game. And, like, Garrett Cole uh, does it again now. He did it, you know, his, like, first year or two with the, the Pirates, and then the Astros kind of figured him out again after that. You see it with, like, Matt Scherzer. Um, you know, when Kershaw's on, Kershaw's just, like, he just is in control. Like, no one's hitting him hard. Nothing's going right. It's a little bit different from, like, maybe the pure strikeout guys where you never felt that, like, I, don't, I never got. I love you, Darvish. I think he's my favorite pitcher. But I never was watching a Darvish start and had like the exact same mentality of like watching a, a dominant Max Scherzer. I'm like, oh, this is just done. If this guy doesn't go nine innings, I'm going to be shocked here. Uh, and Glasnow is another sort of similar vibe to that, where when he's on, it's just like, oh, yeah, that's what that looks like. It's like old Nolan Ryan stuff of like that. That guy's just going to do his stuff today and figure it out. Yeah, Eat some popcorn, it, have fun, and you just move on and live to play another day that's that's all you can do in, in that situation but there's nothing you learn as a hitter from going up against a guy like that like when when Clayton Kershaw is having a Clayton Kershaw day you just like yeah I, there's nothing to, to glean from this I'm not I'm not going to learn anything about my game it doesn't matter if I swing or don't swing it's not really my <laughs> way to play and that's uh, that's even when it's happening to you I mean, there's something to be said for watching a dude go out there and just do whatever that was it felt pretty bad from a meta perspective considering the Rangers scored like four runs in six days and had like five hits so that was that but was since then <laughs> since then we're on fire so you talk about Gibson he had the start on Tuesday mm-hmm. goes seven innings gives up one run looks great we win eight to three um, you know and, and got solid performances out of the bullpen Brett Martin that was his debut I believe um, and Allard came in and pitched the ninth, got three Ks, not bad at all. It, it's funny because we had this little pool of pitchers that we all hoped on so greatly, Allard and Hearn and Palumbo and Brock Burke, and, and we're just hoping we get some decent relievers out of these guys now. <laughs> and Brett Martin is right in that conversation too. I mean, there was that, it was right at the end of... Oh man, what year was this? Probably 18, 17, 17 maybe. Yeah. yeah, somewhere in there with uh, with Frisco, he had that like thirteen strikeout performance in the playoffs for Double A, and yeah. uh, the people who been have been liking him were like, "This is this guy. Like, this is what Brett Martin can do." Uh, and then he did it, and everyone's like, "He's going to be so good next year." And then he was just like hurt and ineffective, and and everything kind of fell apart. But he's in that same conversation. He's just a, a slightly older. He's just a, a little bit ahead of these guys. Yeah. And yeah, I, I, I think we've generally seen that Martin can be a pretty effective left-handed reliever. I mean, he's not Araldus Chapman, but he's a, a useful dude in the pen, and he has been historically. And you you do need those guys. Like you need some sort of fungible relievers moving around and, and taking up some innings. And if if that's all that Colby Allard ends up being, that's eh, disappointing to me because I liked Allard quite a lot. But that's still a very useful player. Um, you know, it's it's. Uh, I guess it's a, an interesting statement for a, a me, a guy who has not played a whole lot of professional baseball in my life, to be disappointed that someone only got <laughs> to be a, an average, you know, middle reliever in uh, in the major leagues. So, jokes on me. Joe yeah. Gallo showing off some speed here. We are recording in the it's currently at the top of the fifth uh, for me, depending on uh, where how time delayed my my current uh, definitely legal 
uh, Bally Sports stream is. I'm trying to keep my comments to myself. I, I, I'm usually the guy spoiling, so I'm, I'm keeping it quiet when I see something happen on screen. So, but yeah, we've retaken the lead. It's what four to three now. Uh, yes, it is. Nice. We're seeing some some just sort of solid offensive play. That's going to be several games in a row since since Tuesday. Texas scored at least three runs in a game. Yeah. Well, I scored at least four runs in a game uh, every game since since that last shutout. We had a, just an extremely depressing uh, weekend, getting dunked on by the um, uh, the Padres as expected. It's kind of what the Padres do to the Rangers at this point. It's mimetic. Uh, but coming in here and, and looking good against the Rays, definitely a nice way to salvage that, potentially. Yeah, uh, so then um, on Wednesday, Arahara yeah. got the start and looked My damn man. good. I mean, man. the last couple of times out, his first two starts, I was worried that he was okay that first time through the rotation, but then guys were figuring stuff out and mm-hmm. you know, he started melting down. But he went five strong, only gave up three hits, Five Ks, no runs, because ERA down to respectable three point zero seven. So he looks good. And Nate Lowe got off the Schneid and got a home run. Um, I think he had a he's had a single at least tonight. So looks like after his white hot start and then his horrific slump, it looks like he settled in somewhere in between. So that's a, a very good thing. But yeah, Arahara being good that that warms my heart because. I could see him being someone that's going to stick around and be around when this team is contending for World Series. And he's a useful guy. You know, he he uh, he could be a back of the rotation guy. You know, I don't I don't have any aspirations of seeing him turn into an ace, uh, just based on his age and um, his fastball is just not overwhelming. But yeah, he, he knows how to place it. Some he, solid contact. Yeah, he knows how where to place it. He used all six of his pitches last night and. Um, had him guessing, so kudos to him, and uh, and yeah, now if uh, old Sparky Lyles can hold it together for a couple more innings, then we've got ourselves a, a series win, which is very exciting. And I imagine there's an even more pronounced um, sort of transition that comes into play for a Japanese pitcher coming to the States and working with two really young catchers, neither of whom happens to speak Japanese fluently. Um, you know, we, we just hear over and over again how important communication is between these catchers and their pitchers, especially as we're getting even more into the, the analytic modern age where this um, like there's a lot of feel and flow that a catcher has to to take into account from what their pitcher is giving them that particular day. You know, sometimes your slider's on, sometimes it's off, but they're also having to compute that within the context of all the stats and information that they're being taught uh, and that they're they're seeing results in good play. Right. So I, I don't wonder if that's not a guy who is just going to take a couple of more, you know, goes around with players like Trevino and Haim, who are both still trying to establish themselves in the majors. You know, we're not talking about having a, a Yadi Molina or a Salvador Perez back there who's been doing this for 50 years, um, who can like doesn't have to worry about their stuff. They're, they can just focus on their pitchers. You know, Haim, is, this is his first real extended time in the majors. Obviously, he was up with Oakland last year, but he is the number two catcher on this team, and Trevino is really getting an extended look as the number one catcher. And I think this is probably the first time you would describe Jose Trevino as the, the number one one catcher for a major league team. You know, he's been a guy for a couple of years, but that's a transition. So they're both working on the hitting. 
Jose is obviously doing great at that so far this year, which is really fun to see. Batting three ninety four. I'll take it. I'll take that. Yeah. The next uh, Ted Williams. He's going to break four hundred and never look back. You mean he's the next Juan Soto, who is already the next Ted Williams? <laughs> okay. Yeah, Jose Trevino, the next Juan Soto. You heard it here uh, first and probably also last. Probably. Highly doubt anyone else will say that phrase out loud in the English language again. But Jose's a guy you root for. I mean, he's, yeah, got, for sure. he's got an infectious smile, one of the nicest guys on the team, does a ton of charity work, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. a lot in the he's community. A, it's, it's just fun to see the transition guy. from Torino's into Trevino behind the plate. It's been like a very smooth one of just catchers I like seeing in every game. Like they seem like they're having a good time, and they both are like pillars in the community around them, which is yeah. just fun. It's cool. Which is it's it's funny because when you were talking about um, Arahara and and um, you know not knowing how how fluent he is in English and working with those catchers, it it just made, reminded me of back in the day when you had Juan Gonzalez and Pudge Rodriguez who really didn't give a damn whether they learned English or not. They made zero effort. <laughs> Their interviews, post-game interviews were painful. They'd say the same things every single time. And it's just funny because that's how the game has evolved. You couldn't get away with that, no matter how good you are. It's, it's amazing to see how much focus the teams put on incorporating English language for their player, And the other way around, we're seeing them really try to get um, American-born players to to pick up, especially Spanish. Uh, that's obviously the, the most prevalent second language here. But you know, every once in a while, you've got guys who are speaking Japanese or Korean as first languages. You've got some speakers who who are working more with um, you know Dutch or, or French, possibly just depending on where they're from. It's pretty rare, mostly it's Spanish, right? Uh, and that that focus on like team cohesion can't just be standing around kind of having a, a middle school level conversation with your basic understanding of nouns um, but that that folks need to like work together and kind of know each other and, and know each other's vibes and you know we're making English language education a really big part of these academies that we build in the Dominican especially but also in the in the states for the extended spring and the the lowest level camps and you see it in the interviews with these kids that you know they're coming through um being told they need to be equipped, it's so competitive now in the the middle minors and in, in the majors. We'll ca- uh, cast aside a guy if they think he's not, you know, coachable enough. Like that, that's a huge um, aspect to have, and so it's just another piece of pressure that's that's coming onto young players coming up. Um, and I, obviously, Kohei Arahara has been a professional pitcher for uh, what ten years in Japan, a little longer, close to and, it. Uh, yeah, um, I, I don't think that the that there's anything to to derive. I'm not trying to say there's anything like, wow, you know, the language bearer for this guy. I just think it's I think it's going to take a little bit longer to get fully comfortable. You're, you're talking about um, uh, just a lot of transitions. Uh, Kohei is coming over here. This is his first year in the states. This is obviously all of the the complexity that's involved in navigating a shift to a new country and then doing that during a time of COVID when there's just different restrictions. You know, there's, it's it's harder to, to get out there and to get to know a new culture and a new country and all this stuff when you can't do those things. So, um, and a new baseball. And it, yeah, and, well, <laughs> and it's a double new baseball because not only is the baseball new to Arahara, because the Major League Baseball, if you don't know, is distinct from the Japanese baseball, and it has been for years. Which uh, makes no sense. Players talk about all the time. They use different baseballs. 
the sea so heights are different, and the tackiness is the big one that they talk about. It's it's a stickier ball, and uh, they're smaller in, in baseball, Japan, right? They are a little a little bit smaller. Yeah, um, and it's so like, like it's a big transition. I mean, why? Why would you do yeah, that? I don't get that. I don't understand that one so much. I mean, do soccer teams in different countries use a different ball? I wouldn't think so. It's just that, that to me is just mind-boggling because that just makes that transition just a little bit tougher. Oh yeah, your pitches aren't going to break the same way because it's a different ball. That's so figured a out. Really interesting question because Mike, you're not a big um, soccer guy, right? I am not. So soccer balls are not sized particularly differently, although the way a soccer ball is constructed and stitched together and inflated can be different, and they will pull out new models of balls you know, year to year. Um, so sometimes the World Cup ball will be a brand new ball. It always is. It's always a new ball that has been newly designed, and so some years the balls will have different aerodynamic um, properties. Okay. They'll knuckle or spin differently, or the spin will be harder to pick up because the way the ball is constructed or designed makes it different. And so there is actually a lot of weirdness that goes into ball transitions when you go from your club team playing in Italy using whatever the Serie A is using or England's EPL to playing for like your national squ- uh, squad doing warm-ups for the Olympics or the World Cup. And I don't know what the, uh, the advanced... Uh, positions are on those ball shifts but like it is a thing and it raises questions like why do we have sort of non-standard equipment even if technically you know club soccer in Germany and professional Olympic qualifying are are literally different sports there's different roster constructions it's like different kinds of rules right Um, you know but it does seem strange that the NPB I actually don't know off the top of my head if the KBO uses a unique baseball as well I don't know if they use balls that are bought from MLB or from NPB or if they have their own. Probably have their own baseballs as well. I don't know if either of those leagues uses the, the rubbing mud stuff that MLB has used for like 60 years now or whatever. Right. Um, it's a weird thing. You know, it's, it, there's just a lot. There's a lot of transition stuff going on. So hopefully this start from Arahara is indicative of like growth development and things to come. Um, he was still letting guys get on base, but unlike his first two starts, it didn't seem to phase him as much. Um, and he got out of it. The, we, we saw him sort of struggle to get that, that last. He was putting two guys on and then the hit. And this time it was two guys on and then he gets the strikeout. You know, and he's getting a lot of big strikeouts, which are not really traditionally a part of his game. Mm-hmm. So if that's um, uh, the catchers learning him a little bit better and knowing, okay, wait, in this situation you want to call for okay the slider here because that's what his slider does. Okay, he's got six pitches. I'm learning this. Hopefully that's what that that's what we saw yesterday because if Arahara can be a like a a, a solid borp, eat those innings and he give you some good value down there, he can get. You know, he's not a two strikeout a game kind of guy. He's like a five or six strikeout a game kind of guy. You you can squint and see a, a rotation. Is it a, yeah? Is it you a get Dunning rotation? No, but it's a you, functional rotation, and you just need to add some parts to it in the future. You've got Dunning. You've got. Arahara, you've got Faulty, who could potentially be um, someone that we could extend. You know, we see, we still have another year of team control, so you've got three fifths of a potential rotation there, and and you really don't have to squint that hard to say we could be competitive again real soon. And I want to transition that because I had some fun with numbers, so I thought we would have a nice funber segment. Funbers. I saw some tweets last night Evan Grant had one I can't remember who the other one was but it got me to to looking and 
Max, I'm going to be relying on you to, to interject in, in where you think it, it makes sense because I do not subscribe to fan graphs or any of those or stat. What's the other one? Newfangled nonsense websites like Baseball Savant for Statcast or Baseball Reference for yeah. I don't have any tables. Of them. So, <laughs> so I was going by the Rangers websites, and my number one, my stats are pretty rudimentary, but I think they still they're worth discussing. Sure, sure. Um, because what I did is I looked at where the Rangers are right now. Of course, you know that's twelve games, very small sample size, but wanted to compare it to where they were last year because. It seems like everybody has been predicting that the Rangers are going to be just god awful this year. That you know they're destined for a hundred loss season. And they're going to get the number everybody? one pick. No, not no. I, I. I have never said a single bad thing about the Rangers in this podcast. <laughs> not one. Okay, I'm talking about maybe you, <laughs> your guys get paid to to have opinions on on these matters. Okay, the, first the beat writers, no. the the national guys. You yeah, know, yeah, for sure, for sure. No, the Rangers are a terrible baseball team. We've said it like a thousand times. Of course, but. Are but they? But are they? So, okay, let's start with the hitting side. So, on the Rangers website, the best I could do would be to use uh, Team Ops and compare that to the rest of the league. So, looked it up. Their Team Ops right now is 661, which is Almost not great. It's, tw- it's good for 25th in baseball. Um, yeah, I would put it as a solid bottom third. So, right in the middle of the bottom third. Big brain on me. So, team with the worst ops, any guesses? Oh, I should know this. Um, oh, no. Uh, um, is it the Nationals? No. Hmm. That would be the Cubs. They are god oh, the awful. Cubs, yeah. The that Rangers are 661. The Cubs are 561. <laughs> okay, but how far do the Rangers have to go to be competitive on the hitting side? Yeah, the Dodgers are coming at number one at... An ops of eight sixty nine. Okay, well, just let that sink in for a second. So they're I, stupid good. The Dodgers are ridiculously good. It's so I tried not cool. I tried to put that in perspective with the Rangers. So IKF has the closest ops to the Rangers team ops of six sixty one. He's got an ops of six seventy. So the Rangers are playing the Dodgers. Rangers are playing with a team full of IKFs. Okay. The Dodgers. Okay, who's close to 873? Well, Gallo, but he's 822. He's a full 51 points lower. So so the Dodgers are playing with a team full of Gallos, but they're slightly better. I I just... (laughs) What what you're telling me is if the Rangers nine-man lineup, you just added two Barry Bonds to it, would still be statistically probably worse. Yeah. The, uh, the okay, that seems, seems more good. than likely. So we do have a ways to go there, and, and that's no surprise. I mean, you, you've got you've got guys that are you know bringing those averages down. Guys like Tavares, which yay, he got a hit tonight, but he's up to one eighteen on his batting average. You've got you know Anderson Tejeda, who is uh, overmatched. He's he shouldn't be here, but he's up here because of injury. You have got. Some injury replacements. Um, you know, Eli White's getting more playing time than he probably should. He's getting exposed a bit. But, you know, we know we have guys coming. We know we've got a Josh Young. We know we have a Sam Hoff. So there's hope. Um, and, of course, once you start building a team that can contend, then you start 
adding the missing pieces. And that's where you can do that through trades and free agency. So if they keep progressing, you know, I, I see good things. So, so they're 25th this year in team ops. Last year, they were 29th. So we're not quite as bad as last year. We're pointing Moving in the right direction. <laughs> <laughs> so I say, I say pitching for last because there are some really surprising numbers here. So, so the first thing I looked at, uh, and again, with my only being able to use the Rangers team website, I was only able to really glean team ERA and then team whip. Team ERA is 3.41, which is good for ninth in the league. Ninth. Solid. Their whip, 1.16, also ninth, which I think is interesting when you have two different stats that put you in about the same place. Those are probably... Yeah, for sure. You know, meaningful. Um, and then uh, walks per batters faced. Uh, they're tenth in the league at zero point zero seven two, which is which is good. And so ninth this year in ERA. Where were they last year in ERA? Any guesses? Um, I mean, I'm going to go with bottom third um, in ERA. You said? Yep. Give me twenty seventh. They're twenty third. Okay, 23 is my other number. Ah, wrong, <laughs> wrong half of the dang third. So they've gone from 5.02 last year to 3.41 this year. A significant upgrade. Yeah, that's a, that's a big jump up so far. And, and, you know, guys like Dunning and now Arahara are, are a good part of that, good reason for that. And so that's that gives me lots of lots of hope for the future. Like I said, we've got three bona fide starters on this team. You hope maybe you can develop one more, and then you go out and get your ace. I mean... Obviously, you need depth and and whatnot, but it's it's definitely pointing the right direction. When you can go from twenty third to ninth in one year, you've done something. But that's the whole pitching staff. Let's talk about the starters. Where do you think the starters uh, rank in ERA? Okay, so. Where is the big damage come? Obviously, Gibson got blown up opening day. Lyles has been pretty bad. Arhara knows up to a three. I think Fulty's actually got a pretty good ERA yep. right now. And Dunning's obviously is, is pretty sparkling good. Yeah, it's um, 1.00. It's. I'm going to say that the, the Rangers starters ERA is going to squeak them. Uh, I'm going to say that they're a top third. I'm going to put them around... I know there are some, obviously, I don't think this rotation is a top 10 rotation in baseball. But statistically right now, I think they're around 10. Okay, so this, I pulled a graphic. The The Rangers actually posted this on Twitter today. So oh, these okay. these numbers are for the AL. I don't know where they stand for all of baseball. Sure. But Team ERA, or, or excuse me, Starters ERA, 2.18. That would be first oh. in the American League. Okay. And then the whip is 1.15, which is good for fourth in the American League. So no matter how you dice it, our pitching is pretty good. And that's that's shocking. You know, coming into the spring when you just didn't really have much hope for anything at all. And they're actually doing things. So there's a lot to be excited about watching this team. I... I I, I definitely they'd have my interest more now than they did last year. Last year was such an aberration with COVID and no fans and all that. It was just so sterile and boring. 
I think it's only going to get better from here. I mean, obviously, you're going to have injuries. You could have some regression towards the mean. I, I, I don't deny that. But you could also have some guys getting some call-ups later this year that are ready to start their MLB careers, like like Young, like Huff. Mm-hmm. What if Cole Wynn goes on a really hot streak? Where, where, where is he going to start? Do you have any idea? Ooh, I don't know that I've seen straight up, but Wynn um, should be... I think the hope is that he's going to be in high A, which is Hickory this year and not down. Right, that's so confusing. Uh, which, so yeah, confusing. I, don't, I don't know what that's about. I, I think I'd seen that, that Wynn is hope. Uh, the hope is that he starts at high A. Okay, so he starts at high A. So, so let's say he goes on tear. He makes it to Frisco. Yeah. Who's, to say, who's to say he couldn't make the leap from Frisco to the majors next year at some for point? For sure, for sure, for sure. Yeah, and, I think that's got to be the hope. And then you've got a four-man rotation. You're, you're, I mean, it's, it's – hope is not that far away. It's really not. Now, of not course, sure. I'm the eternal optimist. I'm, I'm counting on no current players getting injured and, and everybody who's in the minors – performing like crazy but it could happen right i mean technically it's physically possible (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah i've been i've been clicking around here seeing if i can pull up anything that looks particularly compelling on um uh, fan graphs as well using their their team stat sortable tables pulling we got they do agree that 3.41 era for uh for for pitchers uh, this is actually for all starters here. Uh, would put Texas at ninth. Uh, they're they're all uh, uh, pitchers. Numbers are a little bit dimmer for Texas. I'm wondering if there's some uh, qualifier things that are are playing in where some of these stats are are not counting guys who have like an inning or something. Right. It's possible. Texas at at a four point two. Obviously, the advanced numbers don't super love Texas. Um, partially that's because when the pitchers have been bad, they have been just truly and extraordinarily bad. No strikeouts, just getting nailed. So the advanced numbers that really like strikeout information uh, don't look as favorable. So like Kohei Arahara is a guy who does not look particularly great by advanced stats just yet, but I'm, I'm kind of hoping that continues to normalize. He looks far, far worse uh, by some of the advanced metrics than I think he is. Um even if he's probably not like a, a you know three ERA pitcher at the major league level, but that's okay. He doesn't need to be a three ERA pitcher. He just also can't be a you know a seven FIP guy or, or whatever it is he is. But right he is now. a three ERA pitcher. I think he's three point oh eight. Right. I don't think he's a three over the course of a season. I don't, oh, I don't think he's okay. A, a, yeah, a flat three from yeah. I mean, guys are going to make adjustments. Yeah, uh, and that's fine. Like w- uh, um, uh, a starting pitcher who can put up some good innings and have those be effective innings, better than a you know baseline quality start, for example, innings, which is about a four point five ERA. It is exactly a four point five ERA. Uh, math, I'm good at that. Mm. That's that's a useful pitcher, and that's what we wanted when we picked up a guy like Kohei Arahara. They were not expecting him to be uh, a Yu Darvish import. No, you're not, not expecting him to turn into Max Scherzer. That's not what he's going to do. But if this guy can uh, keep you in games, put up some good innings, get some strikeouts, give up a couple of runs, but not get blown up, great, awesome, take it to the bank. That is a useful uh, player, and I think he is closer to that pitcher just, uh, than the advanced numbers have him at. Um, and and that's I think that's where we're at because the advanced numbers are obviously looking at such small samples that some of their information is just not it's not all there as of yet. Right. Um, I do think there's some some reasons for 
uh, non-existential dread approaches to the Rangers. It doesn't really feel like we are walking the world. We are getting a little bit lucky on uh, on batted balls, but not that lucky. There are teams that have way lower pitching, Babbitt's batting every time balls in play than Texas does right now. Uh, for reference, Texas is in about a 292. Um, roughly 300 is the kind of rule of thumb for, for what a, an expected BABIP is. Um, when the balls are in play, they should get into play eh, roughly a third of the time, somewhere in that range. So being below 300 means Texas is getting a little bit lucky there, but that's probably just going to kind of be the case. It's okay. a little bit weird. <laughs> it's uh, a lot better than you expected now, isn't it? It is better than I expected. We're not sitting at 28th in every metric. I, I do really think that the Rangers are not a particularly good team. I think we are going to oh, continue uh, into that problem. Yes, where, I agree. Yeah, the pitching and the hitting are just going to be out of sequence most games. We've seen what this team can do when it's working correctly, though. And so I think you can see the parts where you can add to it. So, like, yeah, if if the fifth pitcher in this uh, little merry-go-round isn't a, a you know Jordan Lyles or... A, probably getting kind of lucky right now Kyle Gibson but is a pick your free agent right or, or pick a, a surprising um, prospect who, who makes it work like a Cole Wynn or a Heinz Krause I don't think either of those or guys probably expected to draft be Jack Leiter <sighs> be still my beating heart <laughs> um, yeah, what, I mean, if had Leiter, more, what if you had Leiter what if you had Leiter and Cole Wynn ready to make it to the majors at the end of 2022 I wouldn't know what to do with my hands. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I, I would be very confused. It's just as a as a Rangers fan, I had a, a fun conversation that had nothing to do with the podcast. But we're talking about their their first favorite pitchers. Um, I am uh, I'm actually I'm blanking on on why this had originally come up. But some guys were, were sharing some you know friends of mine were sharing their 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 first pitchers and uh, guys a you know Rockies fan was a couple of. Uh, uh, dudes he followed in the 90s and you know first ones first favorite player was Chipper Jones because his grandparents in Louisiana always had the the Braves games on that's who you watch there and I had a much older friend who listed two pitchers whose names I do not recognize my my apology I wasn't really following a lot of baseball in the 60s apparently <laughs> um, and it occurred to me that I was like I don't have a I didn't have one I mean the first pitcher I can remember liking is Rick uh, is, is uh, Rick Helling <laughs> a North Dakota man Partially because his name was funny. Uh, yeah. His last name was Helling, and so I thought that was pretty cool. And he was effective for the Rangers in the mid-90s. He um, won 20 games one year. That was good. I liked that. But my favorite players were, were Pudge and Juan Gonzalez oh, yeah. and then Rusty oh, yeah. Greer. No, and no I didn't grow up with a favorite pitcher. The Rangers are historically a team that has terrible pitching. And so if we had two good pitchers in the minors who could turn into you know your Tyler Glasnow's, um, God forbid your your Max Scherzer's, your Clayton Kershaw's, your Shane Bieber's, or Jake Degrom's. Um, that would be so cool. <laughs> Can we have that once? Just Please? once. Just yeah. one pitching prospect as a treat would be nice. Hope hope we'll hope. figure it out. But yeah, I think you're you're looking at a, a Jack Leiter or Kumar Rocker, hopefully at the top of the draft. Obviously, the the possession player kid Lawler, Jordan Lawler, I believe is his name. Yep. Uh, Keith Law has him at number two. He updated his uh, top 50 today, so he has Rocker down to three. Everybody seems to be looking at those three guys as like, it's a pick Like that They're, they're um, a great ad for different reasons. Rocker's got the sexier stuff. 
but less of the sort of command polish. Lighter is a sort of smaller, I think it's not like 6'1". Um, doesn't have like the crazy stuff, but it's just been extremely good and is really hot right now. Right. Uh, and that Lawler is like a made-in-a-lab um, baseball body. He's uh, he's Bobby Witt Jr., but, but like maybe with the dials like nudged a little bit. And pff, that's that's fun. Like we see what these kids can do. Um, Rocker's uh, yeah. the decline in his velocity scares me. Yeah, he's had some some. There are some reasons to look at, and there's there are reasons to be concerned about any of these kids. Obviously, uh, Lawler is a child. Uh, oh, yeah. They're all functionally children, uh, but Lawler is a high schooler, and there's there's always concerns about what happens with a you know 17 year olds as they continue to mature. Lighter is kind of short. Rocker is really big. Um, there have been some concerning velocity concerns with Rocker, and Lighter wasn't always considered a slam dunk guy. So what are you going to do? But it's nice to be picking. Where there are like three really obvious great players at the top of the draft, as opposed to where it feels like Texas usually is, where we're picking fifth when there are four, or right. as specifically it was a couple of years ago, four when there are three. Um, thanks, Tim Bogar. <laughs> Thank you for your service. Uh, so that's gonna be fun. It's a it's a thing to to look at. Had an effective inning from from Wes Benjamin here. That's just been wrapped up. That's another one of those like one-time, maybe very promising pitching prospects who might be turning into just a useful reliever. It's better to have those than to not have those. Oh, like absolutely. That kind of stuff lying around. Yeah, it's good. It's solid. There's a lot to a lot to get excited about with this team. I'm still watching. I you know, and I, I can I can get down on a team pretty quick, um, but I'm, I'm just enjoying watching. Yeah, just there's the there's definitely some the fun. effort there is is a lot of fun, and and hopefully we get to see a little bit more of that on display with the sort of upcoming uh, turn that Texas has. We're we're looking at uh, hosting the Orioles. Should be Fulton Evans, we talked about earlier, is one of those promising young guys who's potentially going to be around for a little bit. He has the Friday, then Dane Dunning right after him on the Saturday, and that is followed up with Kyle Gibson. Will we see if he can continue this? kind of hot streak he's on or if he pumpkins himself uh, but faulty dunning back to back that's pretty fun getting that's baltimore fun. at home and you know, we obviously should obviously a, a team that has a lot of rangers i really hope so yeah. they got some fun young players obviously they've got a great story on the team um and trey mancini and his recovery from colon cancer yeah it's just an incredible you know, narrative and narrative is almost the wrong word there because it's got so many sort of charges to it. But he is a, a great sort of watch. Uh, I'm a big fan of. I think he's usually their leadoff hitter, Cedric Mullins. He's a an outfielder. I think he's pretty good. He's a fun guy. Um, but yeah, that's a, a team that hopefully Texas can can wrap out a couple of wins against, especially potentially behind some young gun arms who are going to be sticking around. So stay tuned for that. Hopefully it's good. Hopefully it's fun. So if we hold on tonight, take two or three from from Baltimore, that puts us at uh, five hundred, right? Wow, are we allowed and to be five hundred? And that would be right at the ten percent mark of the season. Hmm. Who would have thought that? And the Astros are obviously scuffling incredibly hard. So start looking at those uh, playoff oh, tickets. Oh my folks. stats! Uh, the one stat I missed. Ooh, stat me up. So. I, on the, on the, the team ERA, you know, I told you where the Rangers uh, stand. Okay, who's got the best? Best ERA on the team? 
No, no, no. Uh, in the league. Oh, best ERA as a as a staff. Yeah. Um, I mean, is it the Dodgers? No, it's it's the Padres. Two point four six. It's Makes interesting sense. because the Dodgers have have, have number one hitter, and the, and the Padres hitting is like fourth or fifth, and then the Padres have the the number one pitching, and the Dodgers are like fourth or fifth. So, <laughs> I mean, very closely matched. The NOS is going to be so much fun this year. <laughs> yeah, but who has the worst? Worst pitching. Uh, yep. Didn't uh, didn't we just do the worst pitching? Have I already forgotten? No. Oh man. Because not. Uh, see, my my guess has been that then because the Nats are just awful, but I think they're not awful strictly because of their. Uh, overall. Oh, no. it's it's still the Cubs, isn't it? No, it's the A's. Six point oh oh team ERA. That is god awful. <sighs> And have you seen their run differential? They're like minus twenty one. Oh yeah, crazy. Because they got absolutely shellacked by the Astros to start the season, and that's going to mess their numbers up for a really long time. And then they haven't done very much to fix it. Whereas the Astros have fixed their uh, early game shellacking by losing like eight straight or something. Yeah, yeah. I was just surprised to see the A's at the very bottom, which just because they always seem to dig up some pitchers off the scrap heap and turn them into something useful, you know? Yeah, that's pretty wild. I mean, Oakland, I really pegged as being a, a pretty strong team all the way around this year, and that is um, a not manifested. No, so. but they they have the same record as the Rangers, though, both 5-7, and seven, Interesting, interestingly enough. Yeah, and that's obviously an extraordinary disappointment for Oakland, and it's a disappointment for Texas fans who were gunning for pick one. Um but otherwise, is uh, fairly promising for for Texas so far this year. Yeah. Well, those are some fun numbers, I would say. There's definitely some some things to look at. There's some baseball to watch. We'll see what keeps happening. Hopefully, Nate Lowe has, uh, uh, as you said, kind of gotten off the hump there and and can go back to contributing like he did for the first couple of games this season. Some other promising young guys got some pitchers. Um, we got we got to see a little bit of a fun uh, debut from Adelise Garcia as well. Oh, yes, is finally getting a crack in the bigs again. Obviously, due to the extremely unfortunate circumstances that befell Ron Guzman. Um, really hope he's doing okay. It sounds like it's a tear to the cartilage in his knee. The meniscus uh, which is just awful. Yeah, and it's a painful one. I hear. Yeah, it's a truly miserable play. That's a big guy having to just adjust himself a little bit. He, he caught the field turf there at the trop and something went wrong and that's awful especially because Condor had such an amazing winter and we talked a lot about what it meant that you know he got told that Nate Lowe was going to be the starter even though obviously Nate Lowe had had a terrible spring and Guzzi had had an amazing spring and a great winter and he'd done everything that the team had asked him to do and then he basically asks to learn to play left field too and he gets his first professional start there and then immediately blows his knee out in the first inning um, and that's yeah, that's just miserable um, so hopefully he can recover and that he's he's going to be okay from that. Um, that injury has come in the same sort of sequence of uh, days. We learned that, that Matt Bush is probably out until like July or so and that John Hernandez did actually have to get Tommy John surgery, joining Jose Leclerc, who'd already had it. So there you go, your closer and setup man, and then your ex-closer who looked like he had reinvented himself as a setup man and come back and then uh, is out again. 
Yeah, that's a rough one. Pretty miserable. So that's that sucks. It does give an opportunity for a guy like Adelis Garcia, who got double robbed of a home run. <laughs> he did. So <sighs> looked he, like it was out. <laughs> it looked like it was out. It hit the padding on top of the the outfield wall, bounced back in. Looked like it hit something behind, but they ruled that that was not a home run. So he went ahead and took off for home, slid in, was ruled safe. And lo and behold, they reversed it when, as Max and I discussed before we started uh, recording tonight, it looked like it was about a 60% chance that he was safe, in which case you wouldn't think that would get overturned. But, you know, that's the way the Texas Rangers go. Yeah, especially amazing considering the... Uh uh, quality of review that MLB has put out for the past week or so. Pretty astonishing to see them overturn a call on the field. Um, I thought that was really like a 60-40 safe. He, he definitely looked more safe than not safe, but not yeah. like... If, if the call had gone the other way at the plate uh, and then we, we challenged it and they upheld it, I would have been like, sure, okay. I mean, it was right. pretty bang-bang. Couldn't really get a, a conclusive angle that I saw at least, and I, I watched that play ten times. But like... Really did look. I mean, obviously, I'm a fan. Really did look like his hand got in there first when he called him safe. I was like, "There's no way that guy gets overturned." I mean, there's no conclusive shot that shows the other the other outcome. And right. Then they overturned. They cut him in the dugout. And he's just like, "What are you gonna do?" <laughs> it's like, "Oh, come on, man, that sucks." And this is that's one of those problems with replay. Like, I, I generally like the idea of having more accuracy, but making our dude sit there in the bullpen and take a, a couple of minutes while you look at a play a whole bunch of times and then tell him, oh, hey, man, that home run, you didn't get it. All that celebrating, all that, like, the good feelings you just had, forget him. That sucks. It uh, does. That hurts. It's not fun to but watch. he got his first major league triple, so... Yeah, we'll talk. Good on him. Yeah, got some RBIs. Definitely mattered. Um, hopefully he continues to produce. Um, he's fun to watch, for sure. The dude's a dynamo. He can he can do a bunch of different stuff out there. Um, so, Christian Sanford really likes him. I had to actually look up because I was like, where did we get him? And then I looked at him. Oh, yeah. We we traded cash to St. Louis to get him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Struck out too tra- much for the Cardinals. So it'd be really great to see him be a click at the major league level just as an extra FU. Absolutely. It couldn't happen to a, a better team if that were the case. Absolutely not. Yeah. No, that's that's the maximal outcome there is to yoink a guy out of that system and, and find out that he's actually good. So best of luck to Adelise Garcia. Um, just, we just got a message uh, <laughs> from Hayden. Uh, his best man, Jeff Springs, out here closing down an inning. That is indeed the Jeffrey Springs who pitched for the Rangers. Um, so we'll have to tell Hayden to pop a bottle of wine. And uh, get himself comfortable, wash himself some Jeffrey Springs. But uh, yes. best of luck to Hayden <laughs> and Jeffrey Springs going forward. Nice. Oh, man. Rangers baseball. Rangers Do baseball. whatever. Go Rangers. Go Rangers. <laughs>